Hey, uh, it rained. Uh, thank God for rain. Amen? Jesus says that the rain falls, the Father makes the rain fall on the just and the unjust alike, which is good news for some of you. Um, <clears throat> it would make the whole rainfall comparison thing a lot more awkward if it was like, oh, really? 50 hundreds? Okay. Okay, really. I got 75, but whatever. Um, yeah, but really, thank God for rain. Um, it's one of my favorite gospel readings. And I don't even know if I totally understand it all. But there's some really beautiful stuff going on here that have to do with, with the deep mystery of Jesus' identity, who he is. He's, he's revealing himself in the fullest way here at the, at the Last Supper in anticipation of, of the cross. So he's revealing his identity, he's revealing his mission, and he's telling us some deep truths about who we are and what he desires for us. It also has to do with the Father. And if you haven't noticed, I just love the Father. And preaching about the Father, and for me, that's what makes everything come alive, is, is this idea that, that we have a Father now, and that changes things. Amen? Whether or not you have a dad, whether or not a dad is present, affects your experience. That's really important. So Jesus has been talking to the apostles. Again, this is at the Last Supper. He's trying to assure them of something. He tells them about where he's going, what's going to happen in these coming days. Which is very strange because what he's telling us and what actually happened seem like two very different things. What happened seems like just this terrible tragedy. He's arrested and taken away and people lie about him and he's tortured and murdered. And um, But Jesus also says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. A uh, place, way, a place in the Father's house. Um, so we're going to circle back to that idea. He's talking about the Father. Um, but it dropped down a little bit, halfway down. And he says, if you know me, then you also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. And Philip says, Master, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. So in Philip's heart, yeah, we don't know what's going on exactly, but there's something about the way that Jesus talks about the Father and interacts with the Father that Philip's like, gosh, I want to know him. Like, I want to see him. Please, like, please show me the Father, and that will be enough. And he's kind of right. Like, the deep places of his heart, they're longing to know the Father. And then Jesus answers, and he, he, he sounds perplexed. And he says, have I been with you for so long a time you don't know me, Philip. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. To be honest, we hear, we hear Jesus say that, and we're a little like, huh, right? On first glance, it's like, what? And for Jesus, he's like, Why, how, does this, how, does, how does this not make sense? And not in a belittling way, but having something to do with his identity. See, for Jesus, Jesus is just totally a son. He's 100% son. And because he's a son, he's got a dad. That's what makes him a son. So Jesus is always living 100% in the reality that he is a son. And so he's never alone. He always has the Father. And he doesn't ever do anything on his own because he does, it, does everything with the Father. And he says later, like, even the things I speak to you, I don't, I don't speak on my own. I just tell you whatever the Father tells me. He's like, I just, I'm just like, it's always, every, it's the Father's everything to me. He's my everything. He's the air I breathe. He's the home where I live. He's, he's my life. He's my truth. He's, he's just every, he's everything. 
And I'm his kid. I'm his son. And so I'm just, I'm just like, I'm just like him. So everything I do and everything I say, well, that, that is the father. That's just the father. Because I, again, the idea that Jesus would do something apart from the father for him is like, that's crazy talk. Which feels like too good to be true. Because a lot of us see Jesus and we're like, nice. Jesus is nice. And then we imagine the father and we're like, ugh, I don't know. Sometimes the idea of a father is kind of scary. Like, is he going to be harsh? Is he going to be demanding? But Jesus is like, no, I mean, I'm, everything I've, every breath I've taken, everything I've done is just showing you, like, hey, this is the father. People are trying to keep kids away from Jesus because they think they're bothering him. And Jesus gets worked up and he's like, stop it. You know, like, let the kids come. He says he places his hands upon them. He blesses them. People who are afflicted with terrible physical ailments Jesus just beelines to him because he's, that's what the Father's like. Like the Father's heart just rushes to those who need, to those who are in pain. Everything Jesus does, every moment, every fiber of his being is just like, this is what the Father's like. And not just this is what the Father's like, but the Father is in him doing his works. When Jesus is dying on the cross, he is fully filled with the presence of the Father who is laying down his life for you. There's no distance between them. He's showing us the Father. What just happened to the apostles is that they got their feet washed by Jesus. And again, like everything, when Jesus does something, he says, this is what, the, this is what my Father's like. In fact, Jesus is, is, is the conduit through which the Father is doing his will. And so the Father, in some ways, has washed their feet. Because Jesus and the Father are one. Do you imagine that? Is, that? is that hard for you to imagine? Sometimes it's hard for me of a father who would stoop down and very gently wash your feet with great humility and, and tenderness. So just everything Jesus does, he's just like, oh, yeah, that's the Father. I just live in the Father and the Father lives in me. The idea of doing anything apart from him for Jesus is just like, oh, that just sounds awful. Like, what a lonely life. What a terrible way to live. See, too, in this is, is Jesus' deep compassion for you and me. Because he knows that you live a lot, oftentimes like an orphan, as if you don't have a father. And that is the cause of tremendous suffering for you. When I live as if I don't have a father, it causes great pain and suffering, great fear, anxiety, pressure, disappointment, a lot. There's a lot of shame. But see, Jesus is like, well, I, everything I do is always with the father. I just live my life in the father. But also, Jesus knows, like, yeah, and, and, like, that's what you're made for. This isn't just nice for me because I'm Jesus and I'm the Son of God. No, this is for you. That you would be in the Father and the Father would be in you. Later on, he says that. He says, I'm going away, but I'm going to return. And the Father and I will make our home in you. And you will be in me. And I'll be in him, and he'll be in us. So that my union with the Father at all times will be yours. You'll, you'll come to know what it is to be just totally a son, just be totally a daughter. To be filled with the Father. The Father is in you and with you. What Jesus is talking about has taken place. The Father has made his home in you, and he's with you now. And nothing can take you away from him. And he'll never leave you. He'll never give up on you. The Father is also doing his works in you. And there's a way in which, yeah, sometimes we limit him. He wants to do more. But in a real way, like, God is present in you. 
He loves you. He's in communion with you, and he's not going anywhere. So again, Jesus' perplexity of like, how can you ask me to show you the Father? Like, I, I'm always with the Father. He's in me, and I'm in him. Like, don't, don't you believe it? He says, please, please believe me. I'm in the Father, and the Father's in me. And again, he desires that same thing for you and for me. Okay, so let's rewind back to the beginning of the gospel reading. He says, in my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. If there were not, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back again and take you to myself, so that where I am, you also may be. Okay, a couple ideas. That the Father has a house. In the house are dwelling places. And in those places is a specific place prepared for you. And Jesus wants to take you there. Usually when we hear this, we imagine heaven, right? It's like, yeah, someday when I die, I'll have a place in the Father's house. But there's a real way in which, for Christianity, there's not this distinction between like, yeah, a bunch of stuff's going to happen in heaven and then we're in just kind of the here and now and none of it's taking place. No, there's like this permeability. Like we're already entering into heaven here and now. Heaven isn't an after-death thing. What is heaven? Heaven is communion with God, deep intimacy with God. When does that start? Folks, it already started. Like we're already well on the way. Heaven has come down. In Jesus Christ, heaven has come to us. Okay? So heaven is present. It's here and it's now. So Jesus is saying, as, he's, as his apostles are anticipating his death on the cross, he's saying, don't be troubled. I'm going to prepare a place for you. There's something about Jesus' death, his self-offering out of love for us, his perfect obedience to the Father, that opens up the Father's house for us. It was closed before. None of us had a right to enter. Only Jesus, because he is the singular son of the Father. But because of this gift and this love and this sacrifice, the Father's house becomes open. And the place that the Father has held open for you for all eternity uh, is now available, like you can come in. So now the Father's house, house, which is his dwelling place, is open. And the place that's been prepared for you, like there's a real way in which you're dwelling in that place now, or at least you're, you're able to. It's open, it's available to you. So again, this isn't just about like someday when I die, I hope I, I enter into the Father's house, which yeah, there is a truth there. But right now, right here and now, we can live in the Father's house. Where is that? It's in his kingdom, it's in his church. But in a real way, it's, it's living in the truth of your identity that you're a beloved son and a beloved daughter. And there's a way in which, there's a particular way, a particular style of being a son or a daughter that's just yours, nobody else's. And it's prepared for you. Jesus, in his heart of hearts, has won for you this beautiful privilege of being a daughter, of being a son, in a particular way. Again, that only you can do. Nobody else can do it. And you dwell in the Father's house, but also in his heart. Like, there's a place in his heart that you, you belong, and you can be at home now. And you're already there, but not yet. Meaning, like, it's already true. It's already real. You're already beloved sons and daughters. Amen? If you didn't say amen, it is true for you too, okay? You can say in your heart. Yeah, you are a beloved son or a beloved daughter. All y'all. That's done. That's, that's happened because of, of what Jesus has done for us. You've been adopted. Your baptism was real. Something changed. Now you're a brand new thing. Born out of the heart and the love of God. You, you, you are beautiful and good. So that's already done. But there's also a way in which we need to enter into it more and more. Because I don't live as a beloved son all the time. And you don't live as a beloved daughter all the time. You forget. And you wander alone and you try to do it yourself. So Jesus wants to bring us into that. 
Jesus says, so now, now what I'm going to do, and this is what he's doing now, he's coming back to us and taking us to himself. He says, I'm going to take you to myself so that where I am, you also may be. And where is Jesus? He's always in the Father's house. He's always in the Father's heart. He's always in the Father's embrace. That's the only place he lives. So Jesus right now is drawing us more and more into himself so that we can dwell in the love of our Father. That's what Christianity is about. Isn't that nice? It's not trying really hard to be enough for God. That's not Christianity. That's something else. We, that's not, we don't have that. That's not here. You're in the wrong place. Christianity is about the Son of God drawing you into himself so that you are embraced in the infinite love of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. At the Eucharist, you receive Jesus, but Jesus is bringing you to himself. He's uniting him, you to himself and to his person, totally and completely, so that you would live in the Father's house. You would live as a son or a daughter. So Jesus says, I'm going to do all this. And then Thomas says, oh, Jesus says, where I'm going, you know the way. And Thomas says, Master, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? He's kind of like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know where you're going. How am I supposed to know how to do this? And then Jesus says this very provocative, deep, strange line that we all know. Jesus says, oh, I am the way and the truth and the life. How do you get saved? How do you get to the Father's house? How do you become the person you're meant to be? How do you become fully alive? How do you become holy? The answer is, well, Jesus. Like, he's going to do it. There's this temptation that we all have to learn the information and then do it real good and we'll get it done. Thomas is kind of like, tell me where to go. And Jesus is like, no, you don't have to know the way because I'm, I'm the way. Just like, stick with me, kid. Just stay with me. I'll do it all. I'm bringing you home. I'm preparing the place. I am taking you to myself. That where I am, you also will be. I'm going to pay the price. I'm going to do everything. I'll, I'll, I'll do all of it. I'm the way for you. To eternal bliss and happiness, I am the way. And there's no other way. And I am the truth. I am the deep meaning of your life. All the question marks that you have. Why are things this way? What am I supposed to be doing? Yeah, I am, I am the truth. I'll fill, I'll fill in all those blanks. And I am your life. Meaning there's a way in which I need Jesus to live in me. And until that happens, I am dead. I do not have life in myself. Like, I need him. He's my life and he's your life. The way and the truth and the life. He wants to give you everything he is and everything he has. We could just, I could just preach on this gospel every, every Sunday for a year. Some of you wouldn't like that. But there's just so much here. Like, this is it, folks. Jesus wants to take you to himself because he is just totally son. And he's got a dad who loves, just loves him to pieces. And the cry and ache of his heart is to draw you into that so that you would know that truth. To just totally draw you into being a son or a daughter with him in the father's house where you can just be totally at home. You can open the fridge. You use the phone. There's still a wall mount phone, I guess, as I'm describing this. <laughs> it's an old school house. Yeah, it's just like, it's just your house. You can do whatever. You got a room. You got your bed. Probably some high school stuff still hanging around, you know? Because the father's always waiting for you to come back. Yeah, you just have a home. You have a home in him. I think in every heart, I'm winding down, I promise. In every heart, there's a deep cry that says, I want to go home. 
And that cry is mirrored by the cry of the Father who really wants you home. He wants you to come home. Some of you have been away for a long time, trying to do it on your own, and, and he sees your pain and your, your weariness. And he's like, oh, please just come home. 